Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I'm Dr. Law. Got DJ Mark with me. Got Lavender Gooms. Um, we sent our boy Kid Presentable uh, off to Asia because, as a rule, one of us always has to be in Asia now. That's that's how we're going. That's how we're doing with this thing. All right. When he comes Straight back. to Japan, Mike for Stefan. <laughs> yeah. When, when he comes back, we're going to have to send Mark or me again or, you know, it's probably one of the, it's our turn in the rotation. Um, no, our boy's out on vacation enjoying himself. So if he's listening. Which he won't. Apparent, apparently, the beginning of the vacation wasn't too great because I guess United messed some stuff up on his flight. Mm-hmm. And now he's going to be part of a class action from what he told me two days ago. Well, good for him. Was he the guy that got beat up and dragged off the plane? <laughs> uh, that's the... <laughs> and Same, am I same airline, to... different human being. Okay. That honestly wasn't that funny until we all had the exact same thought of we had the image of Stefan getting his ass dragged off a plane, and then it became way funnier. The visual image in our minds. Um, but yeah, so three man booth this week. I mean, oh. in, in all in all fairness, that dude that got kicked off the plane, I had no problem laughing because I mean he's gonna be laughing all the way to the bank. Mike, I'll take I'll take a small ass whooping for some millions. That's right, folks. You? If you want to whoop Mike's ass, as long as you pay him afterwards, he's okay with it. You know, in like you know, in Wash, I think it's Washington. I think it's definitely Seattle, if not all of Washington State. You can agree to fight another man, and like like the police can just like watch it, and it's cool. Like you Isn't can just, that called professional boxing? No, no, just in the street. <laughs> you can just fight a dude. Yeah, isn't that called MMA? No, no, boxing? no, 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 no. We're not, literally doing a podcast on one of those. No, 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 no. Not sanctioned by a commission. In the middle of a street, uh, you and me can go up to a police officer and say, "Say, officer, we were, we are going to fight." <laughs> That's pretty dope. That's my understanding. I might have just made up a law, but I'm pretty sure it's a thing. So uh, we seems can roll like if it. both parties are, you know, agreeing upon this, you know, match <laughs> unsanctioned match and. You know, they're both willing to participate, and uh, yeah, maybe there's not that many legal grounds that apply to them. Mark, Mark here. Considering half, there, half considering there the was argument. once a time that – sorry, go ahead, man. I was going to say Mark here half making the argument for the legalization of prostitution there just kind of by accident. All right. That was a different. That's a different thing that's exchanging money, Bobby. It's the scenario you said no one was exchanging Everybody's money. Everybody's consenting. Not- it didn't say, but it didn't say this one guy wants to get beat up and he's going to pay this other guy to do it. No, these guys have – the basis, I was understanding, these two have an argument. They want to settle it with fisticuffs. They both agree to this. They don't want well, law well, enforcement. What if the fisticuffs is over the money and the winner of the fight gets the money their fisticuffs are going to be about? Oh, in, I mean, that would make it illegal, wouldn't it? I, I don't yeah, know. The, is, it, is, is that, that, not, is that not allowed? We don't know. It's not so much. But wait a second. We're not. We're not competing to see what. There's no gambling here. We've had a dispute over fifty dollars, and we're like, well, the best way to solve this is we just fight, and that will be the the winner of that just takes the money from the dispute. But wait, wait, wait a second. There's some obvious holes in this particular law. Because what if you go to a, a police officer and say, Mister Officer, 
me and this guy, we're going to fight. And what if you punch the dude in just the wrong way and that dude dies? There's no way you're not going to get charged with murder. Oh, thank God this is a real thing. It's called mutual combat law. Oh my God, it's real. <laughs> Good name. Good name. <laughs> that is, I bad. We can go to Seattle. If there's somebody you have a problem with, we can we can sort it out in Seattle. Is it well, too late to change the name of the podcast to Mutual <laughs> Combat Law? Well, if you think about it, there was once a time in the United States where you could duel a man and kill him. So this is just a lesser extent of this. That's true. A more civilized society. One guy can't have a knife. Let's be clear about this. I, I agree with that rule. Are there any other ground rules for the fight? <laughs> Does it follow pride rules, Bobby? Hey, here, I like this. Illegal definition. Oh, okay. There's a follow-up. I'm trying to see. Oh, yeah. One of those superheroes, the guy was an MMA fighter. That's how he handles business sometimes. <laughs> Wait, so he, he apprehends a criminal? And then he, and then he that says ass. that. Uh, but, but, but the other guy has to agree to it. So he gets this guy. He says, do you agree to... Was it mutual combat law right I th- now? I, th- I think he uh, maybe maybe the he tells him if you know, I don't know, man. The guy caught him and took him to the police. At that point, he tells, "Do you want to swing yeah, at me or not?" The only way it makes sense is if he apprehends this guy, and then he says, "I can either turn." Oh no, Mark was about to break something. We lost Mark. We Mark had some groundbreaking shit happening there, and we lost him for a moment. Well. Talking about talking you about this, Marcus. Marcus, we lost we lost the entirety of what you were talking there. No. Yeah, man. No, no. I think this is what happens because you have to do. You have to tell the cop you want to fight this guy, right? So you have caught this person doing a crime. At this point, you're done. You're caught. So, but in front of the, but before you go to jail, you have a chance to get your last licks in. On you know, the guy's name was if you remember his name was uh, Phoenix Jones. You know, the MMA fighter who was also a superhero. You want to yeah. get a you want to get a crack at Phoenix Jones before you go to the jail. There's a chance, man. Oh, so hey, okay. The, what's scenario? the difference between a citizen's arrest and just being a vigilante? The amount of force you use, I imagine. Yeah, I'm not sure. This is the best. Citizens arrest. This is the best beginning to a podcast we've ever done. It's not even. There's not even a close second. Well, Bobby, <laughs> we have a lot of time to fill today. Oh, okay, as we we'll get into well, okay, like, so, guys. Um, I had a bit of an epiphany, and I don't think it's much of an epiphany because I think Stefan's been on this train for a while. Um, but maybe I'm not to this like defined a degree here. Where I watched, uh, so the prelims were going on for this UFC card in where were they? I don't even remember. Australia, Australia right? Australia, Sydney, yeah. And I don't give a flying fuck about any card fight in the card. And at the same time as this UFC is going on. Um, the WWF is airing, or WWE, his name is airing NXT TakeOver. Which, I think we've talked about NXT before, but it's their developmental system. They put on a show every quarter or so, right? And I'm like, it's something I could watch, it's something that I could avoid the result for very easily and watch later, but I'm like, nah, fuck this. I'm watching NXT. I watch NXT. It is fucking excellent. I cut over to the UFC and... I know I'm not watching the same thing, and one's a sport, and the other one's entertainment. But man, I felt that I felt on one channel, an effort was being made to put on the best product possible, and on the other channel, they had November 18th on the calendar for fight card in Australia, and those motherfuckers just slapped together whatever they could. 
Um, that may not, as I already told Mark earlier, my WWE analogy isn't perfect, but let me just sum it up real clear, clearly here. The UFC and Bellator and whoever else is going to do it. If you put on a lesser product, just because you realize you don't care about the hardcore MMA fans, because they're going to watch anyway, and your only focus is one of your big shows where you can wrangle together some bullshit uh, fight card with a few questionable fights that get the casual fan in. Um, the way to get you to stop airing such shitty cards is we just don't pay attention. Because, Mike, that was real bad. Real bad. And nothing of consequence happened. I don't I don't think Fabricio Verdum even made a stronger case to get a title shot. Uh, no. Uh, a couple of fun... Well, I wouldn't call it fun after this card. Mm. But a few uh, facts about this card... It was the long. It had the longest runtime for a, I think, thirteen fight card. No, the longest cage and time, the, right? Yeah, cage time. That runtime. Do, run time, do yeah. you know what's good, also, Mike? Because it's on Fox Sports One. When you have a lot of cage time, those Fox guys, they like to get you from fight to fight. It's not like there's a lot of dead time before between fights or anything, right? <laughs> so yeah, I think the main event for this card ended up going on here on the East Coast. I think it was one or one. I think it was about 115. It was when, when it started. It finally came on. Yeah, yeah when it started. Uh, if it wasn't for the fact that I really had nothing to do on a Saturday, I would have been pretty pissed if I was out at a bar watching this. I was, uh, I was I texting you when like I thought it was the main event, but then Beck Rawlings and um, I don't know the other girl's name um, came on. Yes, I, I and think I, you and texted, I just, I said, oh, God, there's another fight. Yeah, that was my reaction because it was like, it's like 915 where I'm at. And I'm like, come on, man. Why are we still doing this? Um, I'm not happy with this sport. And uh, this is one of the many reasons. Is You got to make it worth my fucking time, man. Marcus, I know you didn't watch a second of this, and God bless you. Um, I There are too many fights. There are too many cards. Let's put it that way. And they can't support the number of cards with the roster they have. Yeah, I think there is a stark contrast in what we saw the last two weeks where I don't want to get too disenfranchised and get on a, you know, I know you're heading that way, Bobby, with like the complete meltdown of this product's bad and stuff. Because we literally, and probably this makes this card even worse, like we literally came off two events that were really good. And I think that kind of sheds light on these really bad events as well, because I feel overall this year has had a lot of, a lot of cards like the ones we had this past weekend where it's sprinkled with a couple names that we're quasi interested in. They're not matched up with a dance partner that gets us interested in their fight, you know, in and of itself. And then you kind of litter that throughout the whole card and you have something that's just, it's a lackluster product. And I think you can really see that, that contrast between, you know, we just had a pay-per-view event that was fantastic. We had three titles change hands in fights that were definitive. It had, they had, you know, uh, a finish ending and we're just overall entertaining. And then after that, we had a really fun uh, – that was a Fox Sports card last week, I think, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, so we'll both – well, you're Saturday? right. It was a Fox Sports 1 one, the one that yeah. was and, – and, and that was a really great card, even yeah. though it didn't really have a ton of star power. The fights held up. Uh, but for the most part, I feel like throughout this whole year, Bob, you're right. Like there have been a lot of cards. We've been dealing with this for the last, I don't know, four or five years it seems like where they've spread themselves a little bit thin. Their rosters and – I mean – at this point, their roster is bloated. There's so many divisions and there's so many guys in there. And the problem is that, you know, it's great to have, you know, a big roster that you can kind of mix and match guys in. They have a lot of events, so they need a lot of bodies to fill them in. But the problem is 
like I just mentioned, you know, there's only so many people here that we're kind of invested in. And when they're not matched up with a dance partner, that's going to get us excited either stylistically because of the fight or some kind of personal tension between the two fighters. It's really easy to kind of just be like, eh, I like Tim Means, but I don't really know much about uh, yeah, Walla and- Muhammad. And then you get, you know, you have a couple of those fights and then you have a litany of fights where I don't know either of the fighters. So I'm not invested at all. And then really the draw of these cards kind of comes down to, do you want to watch cage fighting tonight? And this point, you know, having followed the sport for so many years and being part of the system for the last couple of years where we're getting oversaturated, where we're having cards practically every week, sometimes two in a week. Um, it's easy to just be like, I'm going to skip this one. I've, I, as a person that when I first started watching this sport, I couldn't get enough of it to the point where I was rewatching old pride matches and just looking on YouTube for fight clips and highlight videos. I couldn't consume enough of it. And at this point, I'm so oversaturated that not only do you know none of us really seek out MMA outside of UFC and occasionally Bellator. Like I know Bobby, you and I both used to watch the uh, Friday night fights on HDNet. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, say, it's not just me, me, because Mike, uh, you can. I live with you, Mike, and like you know, like we'd record the fucking HDNet stuff, and like on Saturday morning, we'd be like up and we'd be like, all right, let's let's see if Aoki broke a dude's arm or something. I mean, it's. That was the channel that Mark Cuban used to own. I think it used to be called Access TV. I think it's called Access Now. Same? I think it used to yeah. be HD. Yeah, I think it's now. Access Now. It yeah. used to be HD. Yeah, ah. but, that's, but that was the channel. We used to watch more MMA. Like, we gave a shit yeah. not to watch Tough. And, I mean, this isn't like, I mean, I don't, like, UFC always goes and does this shit where, like, Dana gets, like, real defensive before a card. And then, like, if it if by some happenstance, the one that, like, they put nothing worth a damn into, it happened to be good. He's like, can't judge a, f- a fight beforehand. Of course we fucking can. You're a promoter. You have to sell me on this. I'm supposed. To, I'm not supposed to take just your word that this is going to be good. You have to build trust in me, all right? And you have to give me names that I have trust in. And this is started. This started getting in my head because Marcus. I think it was like a week and a half ago when they when they threw Bisping on this card uh, for Shanghai. Maybe a week and a half, two weeks ago. Where I mentioned to you, I'm like, man, it's a really good fight. I want to see it. It might be time to renew that Fight Pass thing. The Fight Pass subscription. And you said, I think you kind of agreed with me. You're like, yeah, I'd like to watch. This sounds like a good fight. And then we looked at the card, which, swear to God, if people haven't seen the card for this Saturday, is the single worst card I've ever seen for fights below the main event. Uh, like, just talking name value, name, with a combination of name value, matchups, and... um. I guess uh, prospect level. I don't even know what to even say. Relevance to the divisions. There is you don't need to watch any of this until the main event. Would you think? I mean, Let Mark, me take I think, a look at this Mark, here card. As Mike looks at it, Marcus, I feel that's a fair assessment. Like, why would you watch this besides the main event? Yeah, no, I mean, and I think another, and it's maybe not fair. We're kind of prejudging a little bit here, but because it is in China, and we've kind of seen the talent pool coming out of that nation they haven't really been in mma that long the talent's not really there we saw that when they did the tough that season that you know there was a gap in skill level from what we saw with the tough seasons in the states and even in you know south uh south america when they did the brazil ones and then when they did tough china you can definitely still see that there's a skill disparity um between the you know the two different nations and it's just you know these guys haven't been training in mma as long so i would also even go hedge a bet that the quality of fights on this particular card probably aren't going to be that great because when you're looking at the card, you're right, Bobby. There's only a couple names that have any 
gravitas with me at least you know alex uh, yeah, Casares is really the only one it's alex Casares in the main event those are the fights where i'm like i'm kind of interested because i like alex's fighting style he's unique he kind of does different stuff and then bisbang and gastelum you know actually has relevance you know in the division everything else is pretty much filler and i think a lot of it is for that audience the chinese audience because i think we have yeah. a lot of fighters coming out of asia in this one that we're not familiar with and to, to a point you made earlier, Bob, where, you know, Dana kind of gets on and says, you know, you can never judge a fight, uh, you know, by the names on it. You can't judge a card before you see it. And, he, and he's right. You never know when a fight's going to break out and be good. But at this point, like I mentioned before, with the oversaturation of all the fights we get to see, I'm less willing to give a card like this the benefit of the doubt and say, you know what? I'm going to sit here. I'm going to block out, what, probably four five, six, seven hours of my weekend to consume all of these fights in the hopes that I see a gangbuster, it's just not worth it to me. I mean, at if, least, if, you they know? Don't, if they tell us this, if you're telling me I don't need to watch this by putting on a fight like this, don't put Gastelum and Bisping on there. You got to like, if you want to go full, you know, uh, what does Strikeforce call their bullshit cards? Challenger. But, yeah. If you want to go full Challenger series on this thing. Okay. Um, Mike, by the way, you've turned on your turn off your video. If that was the goal, let me know. But uh, yeah, they, they want to don't don't put me don't put one relevant fight on here and then try to convince me that I'm supposed to give a shit about this. And you get the you almost get the same level of promotion from them, like reg, uh, regardless of the size of card. I feel sometimes. Can like, I give you? Can he, Can I give you some of it? What? Oh my goodness! It's just. That's my oh, best okay. show, Honestly, folks, this is going to be a discussion that kind of like is bigger than just these cards suck. As like, what's what the fuck's happened to this sport? I feel. I, but last but it, uh, to to defend this card a little bit, there's kind of no fight. Well, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's a little defending because all right, fight pass cards are supposed to suck. They're not supposed to be good. Why? Right? No, no, no. I, I refuse whoa, to whoa, believe whoa, that. Whoa, whoa, Why in does the anything have to suck? In the hierarchy, in the hierarchy of fight pass, Fox Sports One and pay-per-view the fight pass ones are supposed to be the ones that they prioritize the least because you know at least with the fox sports one cards they're looking towards the next big contract they're probably going to sign with espn next so they have a vested interest in not putting absolute slop last weekend notwithstanding on the fox sports one cards there but with the fight pass cards those truly are the well we just need to fill roster spots here and let's remember that up until two weeks ago, Michael Bisping was not on this fight pass card. It was supposed to be old ass Anderson Silva. You trying to okay? I, I refuse to accept the premise that it, it's supposed to be bad. Okay, I understand maybe there's less hype. The people are less well known. Maybe the fighters aren't as highly ranked. But it's not supposed to be bad. Because you can do this. I swear to God, we all watched MMA two years ago or three years ago, whenever it was, when there was like 28 cards and the fucking random versus cards were good and the Fox and the FX cards were good or whatever it was. And the before that, the spike cards were good. There are too many well, goddamn cards for you well, to convince well, well, me that well, I Bobby, need to like... that goes that goes back to what you were saying before. There's just too many people in the UFC. The roster's probably swelled by no, there's too many cards. people since then. There's too many cards. They need to cut half the roster. Yeah, but Bobby, they have too many cards because they have too many people. They, they have need too many to cards because they've agreed to too many fights under the stupid ass Fox deal. That's why the roster got big. Yep. It went in, it's not a it went in that order. They didn't just sign these guys for fun. They had to fill these cards out and they had to commit they somehow have to come convince me that Wulu G Buren and Rolando D, you know, 
deserves deserve my attention more so than they did like five years ago when they would have been probably the five year old the, whoever was Orlando D five years ago isn't sniffing the UFC. That's what I'm saying. These the, we've lowered the bar for entry to match up with the number of fight cards there are now. So it's real simple. I'm not gonna watch. And if I remember, I don't know Fight Pass, but if this was on Fox Sports One, I wouldn't watch. And then if I happened to be home when Bisping and Gastelum were on TV, I would have watched that fight. And if not, I would have seen the highlights on YouTube. Because that's that's what you've done to this for me. That's me. Maybe you guys feel otherwise. I don't. I. I. I the, the concept of paying for any of this shit, or not paying. This is paying, but like, fuck. When Fox is not a free card, nothing is free that you watch. You pay for cable. You pay for whatever. You pay money. All right. Nothing is free, and neither is your fucking time. There's. You should not have to pay your time and attention for a product this inferior just because they think they they have 200,000 MMA fans or 300,000, however many of us there are, don't watch fucking anything that says UFC. I'm kind of just ranting. Mark, say something. Um, I mean, I largely agree, but... And I I think it it hurts their product a little bit, but at the same time, I mean, something I mentioned earlier might be the reason why they do this. Um, They've oversaturated the field to such a point that I no longer seek out other MMA promotions to get that fix. And maybe that's the goal. If you just throw so much stuff at us every week, there's a new car, there's new things to break down, there's new matchups to kind of evaluate. There's no breathing room for me to be like, you know what? I'm kind of itching for a fight, you know, and we we do get that every now and then because they do have these laps in their schedule or like, God forbid, there's two or three weeks where there's no fight card. And then by the time that one finally rolls around, I think we're all kind of in the mood again to kind of break down fights and kind of look at, you know, what's going on here and actually enjoy and, you know, consume the, the UFC product. But when it is coming week after week after week and we get a card like this. And I think even next week there's the um, the tough finale that's going to crown a champion, and and that could have some exciting. Well, the fights. night the night after that we have a pay per view. That's on a Friday. Then the night after is a pay per view, I believe. Okay, so I'm, I'm for crazy. sure I'm not watching the tough finale. And there's and there's that that weekend I talked about where now we're getting two fight cards in a yeah. week. You know, there's just there there is so much of it, and some of it is good. You know, I'm sure there's been some good fights that we've missed because I I know for myself that I've kind of blown off cards. I'm going to blow off this one this weekend. Um, and it's just because, yeah, I at this point, you know, I've consumed. I'm, I'm, I'm full. I am stuffed with MMA goodness. I'm not hungry to see, you know, live fights at this point unless those fights are intriguing to me. This card doesn't really intrigue me that much, so I can hold off. You know, there's ever there's in this day and age, there's so much things vying for our time, entertainment wise, that you know, video games, movies, streaming stuff, television, podcasts. There's so many things you could do to fill that void. Books, you know, writing, artistry, physical activities. There's so many things vying for your time that, yeah, at this point, you know, as an MMA fan and having so many fights, if there's a bad card, I'm okay with skipping it. And it used to be I wouldn't skip any cards. And then you almost, be, you almost felt guilty at the time. There's yeah, no guilt anymore. Like, it's not my fault. You failed to get me, convince me to watch this. Yeah, it, it's gone to the point where it used to be don't miss a card, and then it would be like, oh, I don't need to see all the prelim fights, but I definitely see the main card. And now, you know, it, during, I think it was mostly this year, I've gone to the, the place where I'm like, yeah, you know what, I, I can just skip a card. And I'll watch some highlights just to kind of get a gauge on how the fights kind of played out. Because I'm still, you know, it, for certain fighters, I'm still interested to see how they've grown and developed. But it, it also has kind of hurt 
the overall store arcs for a lot of these guys. You know, there's some decent talent in some of these cars. Like we mentioned, Alex in this one, he might have a great performance. He might show new wrinkles in his skill set that'll be, you know, valuable in assessing his next fight when we're picking his next fight. Um, and this fight will be lost on me, right? Maybe I'll see a highlight where it's like, oh, he got a rear naked choke. Maybe he's better on the ground or something. But I can't really fully assess his skills when we're trying to break down his next card where he's fighting someone of name value. And that kind of that hurts us, you know, is, is, you know, giving this podcast out to people that, you know, enjoy our breakdowns and our commentary on the fights. Um, but it also it hurts Alex and it hurts these guys that people aren't watching their fights. So the next fight he has, they're not excited to see like, oh, yeah, he destroyed that last guy in his fight. He's looking a lot better. He's riding a lot of momentum. It's, little... so, it's so hard, Marcus, for anybody to gild any build any sort of momentum because there's so much content now. And we were talking about him earlier today. And uh, Mike, real quickly, before I get on this, I wanted to comment because you mentioned them wanting to leave Fox. They are trying to get $425 million. And out of the Sports Journal, Business Journal today, it came out that nobody's biting. Nobody's biting what the UFC is selling right now. So uh, they might want to fix this shit. They got a year. Or they paid $4 billion for maybe not as much, not as valuable product as they thought they did. No, but Marcus, we were talking about this. Um, because I was talking about like how fucked up things are in general. And because I was just like, fucking Tyrone Woodley, who we all love, all right, for various reasons. He's my favorite welterweight, not named Damian Maya, probably. Because Nick Diaz doesn't fight anymore. Um, and Tyrone Woodley is out there trying to call out Nate Diaz for a fight. And like, I like it, that. Is, it is not a good look. You're like, I mean, look, it sounds like fun to watch. I was into watching it, but I was just like, man, you're the champion. A weight class above, challenging a guy a weight class below you who hasn't fought in a year, who's not even ranked in the, like he's not even highly ranked in the in that weight class, and I we all we all know why he's doing it, you know he has to, he has to get paid because the last memory people have of Tyron Woodley is he had a bad fight with Damian Maya, which I'm not sure how possible it is to have a good fight with Damian Maya unless you're losing or you caught him in the first minute, okay, and he went out there and had a bad fight and wasn't entertaining. He kept his belt. And then his fucking promoter went out there and said, I don't know how I can sell a, Damian, a, a Tyron Woodley pay-per-view. He said those fucking words. He said those fucking words. All right. So he's out there trying to get in. Like, Dave, I mean, I feel, I mean, and also just the UFC's inability to promote fucking anybody outside of Mike, as Mike put it, just shouting. Um, he's got to go do it himself because they, they don't know what they're doing. The UFC cannot see the fucking forest from the trees. They are... They are just going show to show, Mike. And it really seems like they are not thinking ahead at all. It seems like they're just like, well, all right, there's a card in six days. Or we have to fill up this other one. Let's just talk about the day of not. It seems like they have no plan beyond, like, the next pay-per-view. Well, I think definitely one thing that they've struggled with for years, and it's amazing they've never really gotten better at it, is, you know, when one card is done, you know, there might be a card, you know, on that Friday or the next week. And when you'll start seeing advertisements or anything for that particular card, it will be maybe during that the card from the previous week. And I know part of it has to do with just the sheer number of cards. And on some level, Bobby, you have to understand that type of mindset where the card that's coming up has to be the most important thing out there. You know, it has to be the one they try to get the most pub, you know, publicity for, but 
you would think considering that Dana White and I think a lot of the real top brass people in the UFC have been doing this for this long, they would be a little better with getting, you know, getting fight cards out there, especially these lesser known ones. You would have thought they would have figured it out by now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you would have, I, I don't think, I, Dana White checked out. I don't think they give a fuck. I think they, it's like their only, it's like their only thought they have is what's Connor doing? I mean, you gotta you gotta think Dana White has checked out because, I mean, he was always very loose with his mouth before, but he was never saying shit like, I don't know how I'm gonna sell a Tyrone Woodley pay per view. He was never completely disparaging a guy like Demetrius Johnson before. He never really showed him that much respect to begin with when it came to, you know, giving him I think uh, his just desserts when it comes to to compensation. But he never bashed a champion the way he bashed that dude, you know, during the summer. I mean, that's the clear signs of a man that's like, you know, I got my percentage from this $4 billion sale and I'm getting even more money now. So who cares? I I did I, I, there's no excuse for the Woodley one, man. Woodley, I okay, look, you with Mighty Mouse, you can be like, well, he's small, people don't like small guys. There is almost no excuse for Woodley not being promoted right. And let's just talk about it. The UFC does not have been able to successfully get into the African American community. Anytime they've gotten any sales out of there, it's like almost in spite of their efforts. Like John Jones got through. I think entirely because of just like they couldn't have fucked up the amount of success John Jones has within the African American community, the popularity, Mike, I feel is the minimum amount he could have of being as good as he is. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I don't know. Normally, I, I, uh... I, like, I mean, we're like, look, I mean, George, I mean, I know some of Woodley's fights aren't entertaining. Fucking George St. Pierre's fights aren't entertaining. But you know what? There are only 36 million Canadians. There are 45 million black people in this country. I will say the only times, anytime I went to a, to a bar to watch a UFC event, the only times you saw more than maybe a couple of black people in the bar was a, for a John Jones fight. I just, like, well, I mean, what, you're gonna, I don't think they know how to promote an Africa. They can't get in. And as I say, they haven't gotten in with the Hispanic community yet either. This is a group. Tyron Woodley said it. What? That they don't know how to promote black people. Or They're, was it that they don't know how to promote black people or that they don't know how to promote him because he's black? I, I just don't under... I mean, I really don't get it. Woodley is so good. I, I feel like he's... He gets it. He's excellent on, on TV. Excellent on TV. He's great in interviews. I mean, when he was on... Uh, I saw him. He was on Sway. Did you catch that at all? No, I didn't. Yeah, he was, like, really good on that, which I guarantee you the UFC had nothing to do with him getting. I bet he did it himself. He's got a crazy story that, like, man came from nothing. Like, he grew up poor as hell in Ferguson, Missouri. And he's a successful mixed martial arts fighter. And, no, I don't know how we get anybody to pay for a Tyron Woodley pay-per-view. You don't know how to promote Yo, black people. Black, black people, you know, what, you, know many, you know how many boring fucking Floyd Mayweather fights that there were? You know how many fucking boring Floyd Mayweather pay-per-views there were that black people paid for? You tell me Tyron Woodley with that murderous right hand, you can't show highlights with him knocking people out? You can't sell anything? I don't I don't understand, and I think we've talked about this before, but I don't understand why they just don't do this when it comes to champions. If you have a champion from Ferguson, Missouri, and you know he's maybe not going to fight for six months, 
why don't you see if you could book something in St. Louis, Missouri? I don't know how close Ferguson is to St. Louis. It's pretty fucking close. But it, maybe that might be an idea. Who's this it seems dude, so um, e- It seems so easy. Who, what's the name of the boxer that's always jock riding Floyd, thinks he's like Floyd, but he's not nearly as good? Adrian Broner. That's the one. Uh-huh. Adrian Broner's from Cincinnati, Ohio. Do you know how many of his goddamn final defenses, defenses have been in Ohio? What? A lot of them. Do you know how many times Andre Ward has fought in Oakland? Andre Ward is our a champion. Lot of, a I lot love, of times. I love Andre Ward. Andre Ward can have some boring-ass fights, man. But you know what? Put him in Oracle and people are stoked. They say take a sense of pride in the man. All right? I, I, I mean, Marcus, what do you think? Are we off base here? Or do you? I mean, I really think the UFC doesn't... I'm not saying I have the answers because I'm not a goddamn promoter that's taking 75% of the cut here. But I really don't think they know what they're doing with promoting African-American or really minority athletes in general. Yeah, no, I would agree. I, I would think I would say that a lot of their success branching out of kind of, you know, I think the stereotypical UFC fan is a white male, you know, between the ages of like 20 to 35, 40. I kind of think that's kind of been their bread and butter since they've broken out. I mean, because I mean, look, they broke out on Spike TV, which I think also was kind of targeting white males in that age group. Now, they've had success outside of that demographic before. But a lot of times it's been because there's been someone of a certain nationality kind of championing for their country. You know, you look at GSP in Canada, you look at Connor and um, Ireland. Um, you can even look kind of like a Kung Lee in China. The first time they went to China, they brought Kung Lee over and he was kind of, you know, their Asian adopted. And then obviously Japan, when Pride was big, it really rode on a lot of, uh, of the coattails of their Japanese heroes, whether it was Sakuraba or Yoshida or Kid Yamamoto. And once those guys fell the organization started drifting off and we're seeing that as well you know once gsp left you know and uh rory mcdonald left the organization as well and he didn't reach the heights that gsp did it seemed like a lot of the uh, canadian fan base fell off as well so i I feel like yeah the ufc has been kind of stagnated and they've grown really big and when they had these big explosions it wasn't necessarily because of their doing right they didn't do something with gsp to make him more marketable to canadians or connor with the irish they represented their countries and their countrymen followed them because they had someone that was a national champion in what could, you know, honestly be viewed as a worldwide sport. You know, I don't know how good the Canadian soccer team is or the Ireland soccer team or how those two countries do in kind of global sports, but UFC is kind of a global sport, right? It's not just based in the United States. We have people with all different nationalities coming together to kind of test themselves inside the octagon. And when you have someone from a certain nationality that maybe doesn't have a lot of winning sports teams that their people can kind of get behind and you have that champion, they can really follow that guy and say, he's part of us. He's fighting for us. Like you've seen with Connor. Now, when it comes to Woodley and the African-American community in the United States and why they haven't really, uh, you know, adopted MMA and the UFC, like we saw them adopt with boxing, right, Bob? I mean, we had, you know, for a long time in boxing, there has been, you know, I, I would say the two major nationalities were, you know, African-Americans would dominate the sport and the Hispanics would also dominate boxing as well. And they had a strong fan base. And I don't know why we've seen lots of African-American UFC champions that I mean, like you mentioned, John Jones, Woodley. We've had those champions and they really haven't been able to kind of grab the popularity that you like you mentioned, Floyd Mayweather, Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali. None of those guys have really gathered that kind of 
pop culture or world swell. I mean, I think John Jones at times was getting there, but of course he's his own worst enemy, which has kind of molded his character um, into someone that some people have rooted for, but now it's kind of hard to even root for his, you know, coming, coming backstory because he's constantly sabotaging himself. So I, I, it's hard to say, you know, and I, I agree with you to an extent, you know, maybe they need to push in sectors that more African-Americans consume, like sway in the morning. And, and that's something that I don't know. I don't know enough. You know, do you put Tyrone Woodley on BET and does that get a lot of people excited? I mean, no, we obviously we've no. seen through their no, countdown shows. What's that? I said BET, right? Not they BET. changed name? No, BET. No, 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 no. I'm saying not BET. Do not put them on BET. BET sucks. Hey, man. No, I, okay. Sorry, but that's just my thing. It's like I don't know where you put them, and we see these guys go on radio shows, you know. And I think radio has some traction, but not enough. And these guys aren't there enough to really, you know. You're listening to your morning zoo guy, and you have Woodley on there because they're fighting in your town. You get that one little bump, or maybe you kind of learn a little bit about a guy. But then, you know, they don't fight there again. He's not on your morning zoo show, so you kind of forget about him. I don't know what avenues they can kind of seep into to garner better fan bases. I mean, we talked about Demetrius Johnson and he has a large Twitch base and they haven't been able to really pivot into that direction to get those fans to come over to be UFC fans. So I think it's hard. And I think it also comes down to what we were talking about earlier. There's so many cards. They have to promote so many things. They can't really take time. Like Mike said, when Woodley's not going to fight for six months and be like, you know what, let's push this guy. And I was like, no, 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 we have a card this week. We need to push these guys. They need to do all the morning zoo shows. Maybe if there's a big high-profile guy, he goes on Conan, like you mentioned when we were talking earlier, Bobby. And maybe some of maybe some of the kind of mainstream shows, one or two of these guys might get one showing on, but it's not consistent enough to really build that fan base. And I, it's one of those things like we can criticize, and I hate just criticizing without offering suggestions on how I would try to better the company or things I could do that they could improve with. Um, I mean, for me, it's always been, like you mentioned, Bobby, there's an interesting story with Tyrone Woodley. He has something that um, you could sell, but you have to put marketing behind it. You need someone with a vision. That's, ex that's exactly, you know, I was going to say, like, it seems like, and like, I don't, some of these seem like such gimmies to me. Like, the UFC has, without trying to, like, the, we are probably the most welcoming goddamn fan base when it comes to uh, LGBTQ. LGBTQ athletes just because nobody gives a fuck and maybe we haven't ran into it with the dudes but we have a UFC champion that is openly gay and she's engaged or married or something to another UFC fighter and Amanda Nunes is Lady Tyson out there man she is wrecking fools and all we got is fucking Dana White complaining about her not taking a fight when she had that fucked up ear infection thing that going on or the sinus thing, I don't, I don't know why. I mean, given the reputation this sport has and its fan base, I would scream from the fucking, you know, from the fucking roof that we have an openly gay champion that they could like send her on fucking Ellen or something, man. Send yeah. her out. Like, dude, are you gonna what? Be consider the possibility that the way you're doing things isn't working anymore, and it's not 2004. You can't just play face the pain and yell shit and with a fucking tribal tattoo and expect people to watch this shit, man. Yeah, Bob, There's, I think get I think. Ways in. I think you make a great point because I feel like that is a community that's swelling. There's a lot of, I mean, there's always a lot of commotion around LGTB. I'm hoping I'm getting all the letters right. There's a Q. There's a Q. Okay. I, I don't want to disparage anything because 
I, I, you know, I fully believe in their rights, and I feel like there is a groundswell there. And I think you're absolutely right, Bobby. They're looking a gift horse in the mouth with Amanda Nunes, and they could really say, like, look, at not only do we support openly lesbian, gay fighters, we have a champion here, and we're proud to put her on. And they really should try to get a groundswell with that community and say, like, look, at I mean, I know maybe cage fighting isn't that community's go-to when it comes for, you know, athletic competition, but you have someone that's representing your, you know, your community more or less. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't want to get into like freeze. I don't know. I don't know how they address themselves, but um, you know, you can really target that community and be like, look at, we have someone here that not only do we support this, they're our champion. They're the face of our organization. And we're proud that they're the face of the organization because they're a tremendous athlete and their sexuality and what they do outside the octagon really doesn't matter that much to us. Right. We're proud that they are who they are, but this is a sport that that stuff doesn't matter. You close the cage and I don't care what nationality you are. All I care about is these two people are in the same weight class. There's a limited rule set that they must follow. And they go in there and they compete to their heart's extent, putting their lives on the line for our entertainment. And yeah, Bobby, I think that's I think out of all of the communities Groups. that they could harbor, I think that's the one they really should it's, go after. It's mind-numbling. And Mark, watch out for your mic, uh, your cable with the microphone. Um, it's That one's a gimme. And I swear, all the work Ronda did... With the um, like, women were watching fights. We're watching women like the casual audience were watching fights. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta push for this stuff, man. You gotta get. Show me you give a shit. Cause I'm getting the impression they don't. I mean, well, what was this thing where we're gonna get William Morris Endeavor and they're this great conglomerate and they're gonna be able to push the UFC in all these fucking places? You know what we're getting instead? They sent out a casting call for the next season of the Ultimate Fighter. They want undefeated fighters only. That's the whole gimmick. Every whoever's on, oh, everybody's undefeated. Somebody's O has got to go. That's the next season of tough. Mike just made a but, noise. <laughs> but their O's won't go. It's exhibition. That's true, Mike. None of the O's are gonna fucking go. <laughs> uh, Bob, I think you made a really good point about. I feel like what they've lost in this kind of merger they did, and it's weird because the dude's still there, but he's not there because he's basically a husk of himself. Is kind of the promotion guy, Dana White, because ever since they sold the company, Bob, I, I think. You're right. Everyone that I mean, we've all seen it. He doesn't have that excitement for the sport anymore. And he's now more more so than ever. He's willing to throw champions under the bus and kind of discredit them. And I think one of the things that you showed me, Bob, and I think kind of I maybe went quasi viral is when Ariel kind of did his own like, this is how you should sell the fight. And that excitement is no longer in the UFC brass. And we used to have a lot of people that had it right. I mean, I mean, I think right now the only person that's hyped for these cards is fucking Bruce Buffer, right? Because it doesn't matter who yeah. the fucking main event is. That dude's giving it his all. He's getting people hyped. And now we don't have Dana White doing that. And you'll have to help me, Bob, with the guy's name. The guy that used to work the back, who used to get the fighters hyped. Bru uh, Burt Watson? Burt Watson. He, I mean, he was there mostly for the fighters to get, to kind of get their adrenaline running, you know, and, and, and be a friendly face for when they're kind of going through the motions of, of fight week and stuff. But as a fan and watching the backs, the backstage stuff, he got us excited too. We saw the excitement he had for these fights. He, we saw how the fighters reacted to him and then he left. And I think what we've seen is that the internal brass of this organization has lost a lot of its heart. I don't feel like they think a lot of this product is entertaining. It's just kind of by the numbers, right? It's like Bisping should fight GSP because the numbers will be higher. And that, and that, and then when they, when they're focusing on that bottom line so much, I think it's kind of, it's, broken down what the UFC had spent years building, which was this kind of sport mentality that the best fight the best. 
And what we used to have after these cards and what we talked about a little bit earlier is like we we come back from a card and be like, man, and now there's new exciting matchups because this guy beat this guy. Now he's ahead of everyone else. He's going to fight for the title or he's going to get a number one contender shot. And now they've broken that structure down because champions don't fight number one contenders anymore. Sometimes they do, but a lot of times they're fighting the guys that are going to give them the biggest paycheck, whether they're ranked in the top 10 or not. And that's kind of breaking this whole system where we used to have this narrative after a fight card to be like, okay, this guy used to be ranked six. He beat the fourth ranked guy. So now he's two or three. He's got to be ready for a title strike, right? But now it's like, yeah, I don't know. The title contender might fight Joe Schmo, who's, you know, outside of the UFC or just, you know, a CM Punk scenario or something like that. We don't have the, the consistency we used to be where people would climb the ranks and fight the champion. Now it's kind of a wild card because if there's a big money fight, UFC, and mostly I want to really put the um, the focus on the new ownership because I think they're making a lot of these calls and they're basically looking at the numbers and being like, yeah, this super fight, while it doesn't make sense, Bisbing fighting Henderson is going to bring in more people than him and Romero. Just a fact. That's just a fact. People know Dan Henderson. They don't know Romero. But what you're doing is, like like you said, Bobby, you can't see the forest from the trees. You're paying Paul to pay Sam or whatever that saying is. They're being too short-sighted to see that what they're doing with making these super fights is actually hurting their product overall. And it's breaking the narrative that they've literally have built this narrative into their product because there's a fucking number next to the guy's name telling me he's number two. He should be fighting one or the champion. And when I see champion fight some dude with no number, it's like you've broken your own system. Like, you what was the point system of the, exactly. Demolished it. It's it's insane, man. And it's I just want I picked up by the way, I swear to god I did this at pure randomness. I just picked a fight night card. I looked at the I looked at the page of fight nights, I picked one. I'm gonna read this card to you. All right? And you guys tell me where it gets questionable. All right? Or where you don't I don't know. Maybe this isn't worth your time. Are we All starting right? from the top or the bottom? I'm starting from the main fucking event. All right? This is a free card on a goddamn whatever in Broomfield, Colorado. Kenny Florian versus Joe Lozon. Gray Maynard versus Frankie Edgar. Tiago Alvarez versus Carlo Parisian. Matt Hamill versus Tim Boach. I swear to God, I picked this at random. Uh, Nate Diaz versus Kurt Pellegrino. James Irvin versus Houston Alexander. Josh. Oh, okay, versus- okay, okay, but so this is an old card. Because I yeah. thought this was a new card, and I was like, "These guys are old as fuck." Yeah, no, no. It took me. It took me like. It took me like three fights to realize. Oh wait a second, this is an old card. Yeah, no, I'm trying to make a point here. So that's James Irvin, no, Alexander. That is the main card. Please note, this was a time where we would not even see these fucking. God fights damn it! How many? How many? How many fights was that in the main card? That's just six like fights. Seven fights. Six fights. God damn. And I just want to point out the fight I'm about to name here. This is when we didn't used to see the prelims, right, Marcus? We wouldn't see all the prelims. Sure. We see one or two, maybe. About, so. but yeah, this, we this, was, this was nine years ago. All right. Here we go. Prelims. Josh Neer, Dean Thomas, Marcus Aurelio, Ryan Roberts, Manny Gamburian, Jeff Cox, Clay Guida, Sammy Schiavo, George Sotteropoulos, Roman Michian, Anthony Johnson, Tom Spear. That's the curtain jerker. I swear to God. Don't try to convince right, me but... that anybody, anybody, that this, there's this many guys on the undercards right now. Who are this Nine talented. years ago, you say? Nine years ago, yeah. All right, George Sotteropoulos. We, mm, I, well, a lot of those guys. There are been three in the people UFC on this for, list for you don't know who years. they are. There are like three yeah. people we don't know. There's well, one well, I'm person just saying with, that's that. One person doesn't I, have a Wikipedia just, page. Well, I asked, I asked, when was it? Because, I don't know, maybe Clay Guida and George Sotteropoulos were, you know, just coming into the UFC, but... 
nine years ago, no, they were they were pretty much that wasn't even on TV. They just put this shit on. This were people in the crowd. Yeah, I mean, you can't convince me. A wildly different time and different product. And and to be fair, looking at this Chinese uh, this China card, who knows? Maybe nine years from now, like fuck, we fucked up. We missed one of the best cards of the year because it looked like shit. We didn't know who these guys were, and then nine years from now, they're they're killers. I feel like that is a slim margin that that reality will come to fruition. But, you know, we, we can't really say. But, yeah, Bob, I mean, the product was stronger back then because they had less they had less cards. They had the talent they had was all top notch. They've you know, they lost our, their goodwill in a nutshell. They have not. They had goodwill at the time to just put on the letters UFC. And we knew we were going to see a goddamn banger. We don't well, have that at the same time, Like I mentioned, you know, there wasn't many cards, so people were hungry for it. So, yeah, I mean, it's a completely different landscape. And, you know, a lot of the criticism that we throw at them is of their own doing, right? I mean, we weren't clamoring necessarily to have more than, you know, two cards a month. You know, we didn't need a card every week. I think at a time, I I didn't think it'd be a reality. I remember when we talked a long time ago, we were talking about, like, UFC wants to do one fight card a week. And that seemed ridiculous. Like, they don't have enough guys to do one card each week. That's ridiculous. And now they have that and some more and the products really hurt because they have to fill these cards we don't know who any of these guys are and because of that and because there's so many things vying for our attention it's just not practical to always carve out five six seven hours i mean i oh, think too you know are just long as fuck too i think that's another problem is that it's a it's a long oh, product fox fo- fox fuck. fucking milks them too there's well, so much you know, time between let, fights you know there's always a, there could be a silver lining here in that the Fox deal runs out next year, correct? Yeah. All right. So I think we can all agree that part of it is that under the Fox deal, they have to do a certain amount of Fox Sports 1 cards and a certain amount of UFC on Fox cards. So perhaps next year, maybe with either the new deal or maybe ESPN gets it for pennies on the dollars, Maybe they don't require nearly as many cards, and if that's the case, then they'll likely pare the roster down. And we can only be so lucky. Maybe the, the the quality of cards will increase just from that. It's almost like with Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan went from doing every UFC event, and he's talked about it that he felt burnt out. Now he only does like I think ten or fifteen in a year, and he feels invigorated. Maybe with less in the next two years or so, let's say in two years, they have 10 less cards, then the quality of each card will just increase. I think I, Maybe, I, was, I, I was telling Mark this, uh, like my, my, my number for how many they should do, and let's assume they don't want to, um, they don't want to cut the number of pay-per-views. Let's say it's 13 pay-per-views, 26 cards. Once, so once every week. One yeah. every other week. That's the most I'm willing to accept from the UFC. Bellator should do one a month. Bellator should do one a month, and they should make you know what the fucking or maybe make you know maybe the maybe Bellator just like, you know what make twelve cards a year I don't care about and do like four ones I do care about. But I, I you you can't do this many cards and expect me to give a fuck. It is not possible. And UFC's got to get rid of the Ultimate Fighter. That's god damn it. So clear that it needs to happen. At this point now, um, perhaps if there's, if in each season of Ultimate Fighter, if there's let's say three fighters that are really worth a damn, 
No, no, you need to put those fighters just on regular cards. Like, don't waste them on tough at this point. But then again, yeah. then again, Bobby, that's what people in TV like to call content. For oh, Fox, Fox, Sports. Fox Sports One just needs to fill hours. Um, are you guys cool? I mean, Michael Bisping fighting uh, Calvin Gastelum. I still can't believe they booked this thing. As Mark put it, Michael Bisping got domed on for three rounds by GSP, and he's going to fight in three weeks. I really just hope he's okay. And if he gets knocked out, I'm going to have a hard time not thinking it had something to do with him fighting, having getting, you know, punched in the face a bunch three, bunch three weeks earlier. So, but good job. You saved the card. Um, let's do um, memoirs of a fight fan. And someone tell me what we did last week. Shit, you think I remember? Uh, wasn't it submissions? It was like our favorite submission and the best submission. I think that was it. Um, I want I want to I yes. want to give you props, Bobby. That's correct. Every week you mention memoirs of an MMA fan, I forget we're doing it, and I'm like, huh, well, you know, he's keeping it on. I, I mean, you, know you know what? No, honestly, this week I just thought about. It. I do not have a question. I'm gonna have to do this on the spot here, and I'm, I'm gonna go first because I like to give you guys some time. So, I think I'm gonna. This is gonna be a weird one, I guess. Um, who is your favorite MMA coach? And you can have any reason you want. Um, mm. I'm going to go Matt Hume. Matt Hume is my absolute favorite. I kind of feel bad that I'm the one talking about him because Mark can probably give you another 20 minutes on Matt Hume at least. But Matt Hume is um, the coach of the best fighter in the world. Not named George St. Pierre. Um, he's Mighty Mouse's. Uh, he's Mighty Mouse's head coach. He's Mighty Mouse's everything. He does everything for Mighty Mouse. He was Mighty Mouse's manager up until his last fight, which probably wasn't for the best. Matt Hume is. They call him the Wizard, if I'm not mistaken. It's a reason for that shit, guys. He's been doing this a long time. He knows how to do everything. He gives incredible corner advice. If you listen to it, watch Mighty Mouse's fights, he tells him exactly what to do and exactly how to do it. And it's not one size fit all. I remember when he fought when he was cornering Tim Boach. And he fucking, I swear he willed Tim Boach to go in and knock it out. You should Okami that one time, man. Like he's an excellent, excellent, excellent coach. And I don't think he gets enough credit. He also coaches the one of the one FC champions, um, Bibiano Fernandez. And he was a co he was a fighter in his own right. Uh, fought in Pancras. I don't know if he fought in Pride ever. Did he, Marcus? No, he was a uh, judge for Pride. Judge for Pride. But he did fight in Pancras. Some of these fights are a little bit on the eh, not so legit. My man got hit with the Northern Light Suplex one time. It was real questionable. Into Kimura, Bobby. Into, into a Kimura. <laughs> Why is that not a finishing move? I'm going to bring that up each time because that shit was awesome. Um, yeah, I I like Matt Hume quite a bit, and I think. He's the man. Um, which one of you guys have come up with somebody? I got. Uh, I, I I got someone. Um, go ahead. You're man. gonna. You're actually gonna come up with something very insightful and thoughtful, Mark. So let me go first. So for me, it's gonna be Kenny Florian's coach. Not because he was any great person when it came to his tactics, but just because I always loved hearing that super loud Boston accent that just pierced through the din of the audience at any Kenny Florian fight. And I also loved any of the things they always said during a fight. I think I remember watching a fight one time where I think one of Kenny Florian's coaches said, go for the hot kick, Kenny, and don't be so obvious about it. <laughs> was and it his brother? I think, uh, well, I think it was against BJ Penn. 
at one point, one of his coaches said, "God wants you to win." My my Boston accent is not. <laughs> it's terrible. I think I think but, it's his big. I think that's his big brother Keith. Um, Keith was real <laughs> loud. I remember Keith. So he was especially loud when Kenny's getting his ass whooped. <laughs> <laughs> but um, not for any actual good reason. But I always did enjoy that out of Kenny Florian's coaches. So those guys. Um, I enjoyed that. that was, that's why I did it. Mike was a good call going in the middle there, breaking up some of the seriousness. Marcus, what do you got? Oh, yeah. I can't say that these are going to be serious picks, you know, just thinking about it for a couple minutes. And these are mostly just guys I like and think are kind of cool or fun. Um, so the first one was Boss Rutten, right? Because uh, he was a fun coach. And I think I mostly liked him coaching in the atmosphere of bar fighting. And when he would tell you, da bang da bang da bang you take a guy's head and you smash it against the table. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen those, I mean, they, they went viral a long time ago. So if you're an MMA fan, you've probably seen them. But you can see, like, Boss Rutten bar fighting training videos where he's kind of he, – he, I mean, what's fun about them is that he has these weird scenarios where, like, oh, you're sitting in the chair and this guy's saying, oh, I like your girl, and he grabs her ass. So then you go, boy, to kick him in the balls, and then you slam his head here. And he has a little sound effects. So that was fun. Um, but I, I guess on a more serious note, kind of like uh, Bobby with you with Matt Hume and DJ – um, I've really liked – I've always liked uh, Dwayne Bang uh, Lugwig um, just as a fighter. I loved his style. I mean when I saw him in – I think it was King of the Cage 4 when he did his first karate kid on Shad Smith. That was just fucking awesome. And then to kind of see him become a coach, which I, it didn't seem like he had aspirations to go that route while he was still a fighter. To see him become the coach for um, Team Alpha Male and then to see him and TJ kind of click the way they do – and I honestly feel like, I mean, and I saw it, uh, I, maybe something I should mention in Stuff We Like, but I, I also watched um, this last UFC pay-per-view card. They do that um, UFC focus with Esther. It's Esther Lynn, right, that does the UFC focus, Bob? Yeah. I think I, you're about to talk about a picture I think I saw. Go yeah, ahead. and I mean, yeah, and we saw it the first time when uh, TJ won the belt, and they did it again. We're kind of, they do the little karate salute with each other, and Esterling captures a great moment where they're doing that salute. And you can just see it in Dwayne's eyes, man. This isn't about money. This is about him and TJ going against the fucking world. And they win against the fucking world because everyone, including this fucking podcast, was like, TJ, snake in the grass. What is he doing? This team out in Colorado is a fucking joke. You know, he basically betrayed all his friends. But really what it was is TJ and Dwayne had a bond between, uh, you know, student and coach or mentor and student or whatever. And it was so strong that, you know, TJ had to make a tough decision. You know, Dwayne wasn't going to hang around at Team Alpha Male, and he either had to hang out with Team Alpha Male, the guys that helped him get in the sport, or go against the grain, do what people didn't want him to do, and follow a guy that he felt brought out the best in him. And we were all naysayers, you know, especially after he lost to Dominic. Maybe this man, guy is there was so much he... pressure on him too, man. That fight was so he was not going to get another shot. Yeah, he and I mean, it was a tough so fight for anybody, and um. You know, so to see them get the belt back, and just and you can see it in that one picture, just like that's not about he's getting belts as he's bowing. That's yeah, the one they're, they're, he's, he's he's in tears. It's the emotional thing, and it's and it has nothing to do about the money that has become you know the focal point in this sport over the last couple of years. You know, everyone's talking about big money fights, big money that you have to make as much money as possible. This is a a teacher and a student doing the best they can basically fighting as one like you saw with Matt Hume and DJ and reaching the upper echelon and just seeing the unequivocal joy on their face when they win. Um, and they pulled out the, the game plan that they've, you know, been 
grooming for months to, to finally come to fruition. I think that's a great student um, teacher kind of coach mentality. And the last one I wanted to mention, just because I think it's fun, and I don't know his last – maybe, maybe you know, uh, Mike uh, – I'm sorry, Mike, uh, Bobby. Uh, you know uh, Jim uh, – no, Mike's Jim? Yeah. I like Mike. And I like it because – and it, maybe it's only with Melvin Manhoff. I like the little prep talk he does. He usually has Melvin Manhoff on a leash, which is weird. And he gets Melvin psyched up. He might slap him a couple times. I don't remember. But he says some shit to Manhoff that gets him cray. And then he unleashes the dog on, on in the cage. And it hasn't gone well in the last couple of years. Uh, as big Melvin Manhoff fan as I am, I definitely think it's time for that guy to reconsider, you know, career opportunities and stuff like that. But I've always liked Big Mike. And there's just a wealth of – I think Dirty Bob is a coach now. And I love Bob Schreiber. I was literally – Oh, God. When I was at the doctors the other day, I was like – is there any new information on Bob Schreiber? Is he been doing anything I haven't known about? No, he hasn't. He he's Stephon Struve's coach, which makes him a coach. But there's something about Dirty Bob that I'm never going to forget. That guy, uh, he'll always have a lasting impression on me. He just and I, so it's both because I like his style. He's a big fat guy, and I love the way he did Muay Thai. I love the way he throws kicks and punches, and I love the way he cheats and he doesn't even know he's doing it. <laughs> I like that. Mark gave us like four responses there, but that was a good. Pretty good. Stephon, anyway. Um, all right, guys, let's do stuff we like and get out of here. Um, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. So I spoke about this before the podcast. I, I don't think I got much traction with the guys, but screw it. I want to talk about this. I don't give a shit about your thumbs down. Okay. Nah, 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 nah. You know what? Bobby is the, Bobby is the leader of this show. He doesn't want me to do this new segment. So we'll just go to stuff we like. I'll tell you. Yeah. Let's do stuff we like. We can do maybe do it next. We'll talk about it before we just spring it on to people. It could be um, stuff he likes, right? I think it's a bad idea. But <laughs> I mean, this is our segment, Bob. We can say whatever we like. And if Mike likes something, no, stuff, Mike wants to create a segment. Mike wants to create. Mike, Mike wants to like something that doesn't exist yet. We have to make it. Okay, first maybe I'm Mike thinking of something like else then. Never yeah. mind. Never mind. Never mind. Um, Mike, you want to go first for stuff we like? Uh, yeah. So. I think just out of nowhere, really, maybe I just wasn't paying attention, but I was home on Friday and I flipped on Netflix and I saw that The Punisher was on there and I had no idea. I knew they were making it, but I had no idea it was even close to being completed, let alone it was going to drop in the middle of November. So... I was able to watch a few episodes this weekend. And just wait, wait a second, Mike. Just so we're clear, uh, Mark, where are you with this thing? Zero episodes. Okay, Mike. Don't spoil I, I, I'm not. I, I wouldn't say anything anyway. I would not do that to the viewers. I grew up being a non-spoiler because my older brother Joe. Anytime I watched the movie, if he had, if I had seen it already, and he hadn't. This guy would every five minutes, every 10 minutes be like, so what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? So it got to a point that even if I had seen a movie, if he asked me if I had seen it, I would tell him, no, I, I haven't seen it, Joe. So I don't like spoiling anything in any context. So no, I would not have said anything, Mark. You're, you're, in, the, you're in the clear. But I think in the hierarchy of... Netflix Marvel shows at this point. I'm about six episodes in. It's definitely better than Iron Fist. Wait, wait. How many um, how many episodes are you caught for a second? How many episodes in are you? I'm um, six episodes in. 
Oh, okay. I'm like on the, I'm on seven or eight right now. Okay, I'm I'm roughly where yeah. you are. So it's definitely better than Iron Fist. Uh, for me, so far, I, I think I I like it better than uh, Luke Cage and the Defenders as well. So I think I would put it um, Jessica Jones, Daredevil, and and Punisher. So far, it's it's a much different type of uh, Netflix Marvel show, even than uh, even than Jessica Jones and and Daredevil, which are some of the more grittier superhero shows that you'll encounter. Uh, I, I forget the guy's name, uh, the guy that plays uh, the Punisher. John Barenthal. John, John, Bar- John Barenthal. He was really good as a Punisher in the second season of Daredevil, and he's even better so far in the six episodes I've watched so far. So uh, I'm pretty sure anyone who watches this podcast is probably the type of person who watches the Marvel Netflix shows. So... It probably goes without saying, but I highly recommend Punisher. I don't. What? I love the Punisher as a character. I was in for all them for all these movies so far. I didn't think this is bad or anything. I just you said highly recommend. I think it's all right. We've officially reached a point in these Marvel series around episode sevens when I wonder why is this thing thirteen episodes? That we've reached that point. We're about two episodes into me being bored. Is where I'm at. So, I think it's okay. It's, you're right, though. It's a world better than Iron Fist. I would have turned it off if it was like Iron Fist. Um, we'll talk more about uh, Punisher when you guys watch a little bit more, Mark watched a little bit more, and uh, we'll see. And I'm, it sounds like nobody watched Justice League yet. That is true. I was going to watch it on Friday, and then I decided to not. I was going to watch I, it on Saturday. I want to see it. I would like to see it. That's me. Yeah, I still I want to see it. This weekend was kind of tough schedule-wise. I still maybe, want maybe, to maybe, see it. Yeah, maybe we see it this week sometime, man, Mark. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe. maybe it happens. Um, I'll go, Marcus, and then you go after me because um, mine's got – I'm going to talk more about wrestling, and you can talk about more substantial than God willing. Um, my thing I liked this week was um, NXT TakeOver. Um, NXT TakeOver, as I mentioned, was a – NXT is the developmental league for the WWE, which is kind of hard to gauge to to call it that sometimes, given the level of talent that's in there that comes from the independent wrestling scene. Um, it almost seems like a um, the, watch out for whoever smacked the mic there. Um, it, it it almost seems like it's a uh, just a practice ground for um, the future leader of the company, which is likely um, uh, Triple H would be his character name. Um, he's probably running the show when it's all said and done. It's almost like his a place to do his uh, to do his thing. Um, I thought it was an excellent, excellent card from top to bottom. A um, couple things worth pointing out. If you're not a pro wrestling fan, you're not a pro wrestling fan. But those of you who have ever liked it at any point in your life, uh, it is uh, it's well worth your time. Um, Alistar Black, uh, who people who if anybody's watching independent wrestling, they're already watching this, but. Alistair Black, who on the independent scene was known as Tommy End, he took on a gentleman named Velveteen Dream. Velveteen Dream's gimmick is essentially that he's Prince. Um, I believe, Marcus, we saw him live. We saw that guy. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad he's still making he it. Is, I liked him. He, he was a jobber. He is so good. He <laughs> is good. so good. This was the single best wrestling match I've seen in God knows how long. It was so well done. And it was like the whole basic of the basis of the match was the Velveteen Dream wants the other guy's respect. He wants him to say his name. And that's all it was about. And it was fucking excellent. It was so good. It was they told a brilliant story. It was I was so impressed. Um there was a great um women's four-way match. 
Um, we had a great championship match between um, Andrade Cien Almas and uh, Drew McIntyre. Um, people who remember Drew McIntyre, what the hell is Mike? Yes. What the hell is the clicking? Uh, not sure. Okay. Because uh, Mark was muted. I assumed it was coming from you. Uh, Drew McIntyre, known mostly as uh, Drew Galloway, um, was years away from the company. And Andr Andrade Cien Almas is a goddamn legend in Mexico as La Sombra. Um, finally coming into his own after years of being in NXT. Look, he had, they had a great match. But really, the selling point here was something called War Games which was something that came from the National Wrestling Alliance slash WCW, uh, the brainchild of Dusty Rhodes, who um, it's really easy to know the impact Dusty Rhodes had on NXT and Triple H in particular. Uh, in a nutshell, a War Games match is where you get two rings together and then you put a cage around it. Normally, there's a top. There was no top to the cage this time. Um, and um, you basically do a tag team match where guys are... There's no tagging. It's just a multi-man match where you come into the match in stages, and once everybody's in, all hell breaks loose and somebody gets pinned or knocked or submitted. Um, in this case, you just had a bevy of uh, supremely talented performers: Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, uh, Roddy Strong, um, Alexander Wolf, Eric Young. All these guys made their bones in other promotions. Um, uh, Calm and Razor, the Razor, authors of Pain, which are pure homegrown talents, they did great. And uh, I just want to give a particular, make particular note of a gentleman named Killian Dane, who's a fucking huge Northern Irishman who can fly. Um, Marcus, if you remember the coast-to-coast -coast maneuver that Rob Van Dam was real popular at doing, my man here is like 400 pounds, and he hit a coast-to-coast -coast in this match. Um, it was so cool. I love this. And I know, I mean, a lot of people aren't wrestling fans, but I was so impressed with this match. I loved the whole show. It's just a well-put-together show with everything was, you know, even the people who are less experienced, they did a great job, and the crowd was hot. The crowd was into it. They wanted it to be good, and that really helped, too. And if you guys, uh, I don't know, find it on Daily Motion, YouTube, but shit, I think the WWE Network is free this month. You can get a free trial and watch it. I It was so, so well done, and it was called NXT TakeOver War Games or known as NXT TakeOver Houston, uh, which uh, came from the Toyota Center. Um, I loved it. So check it out if you got a minute. Uh, Marcus, go ahead. Uh, yeah. Uh, really not a great time for uh, big game releases right now. So close to Black Friday and the holiday season. So no big games coming out this week. Um, I will mention a game that came out last week, uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2. I got to put a little bit time, a little bit of time into it. And I, I have to kind of agree. A lot of the consensus around this game is that it's not super hot. And there's been a just a clusterfuck of controversy around their microtransactions and their progression system and basically loot crates and how that's kind of really warped um, people's anticipation for the game and what they can expect into putting time into the game and definitely how it seems like it's kind of, at least on how it was shortly implemented in their little early access, that it was somewhat pay to win. Basically, you could pay money to get these loot crates to get better gear to be better at the game than other people who didn't want to put more money into the $60 they've already invested. Um, they took microtransactions out of the game um, during its official launch on Friday, so basically you can't do that. But still, the progression system in and of itself is kind of broken where you basically have to put a ton of time into the game 
to get back stuff that you should probably just start out with, like having access to Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. Um, so that being said, that stuff's not great, and there's been a lot of negative negativity around that. But just the game itself, in this uh, this version of Battlefront, they've included a campaign mode, which was sorely missing from the first game. And I put a little bit of time into it, and I can just say that while the premise is really cool, and that's what got me basically to buy the game, is like I want I want to be in the Star Wars where it looks great, and I feel like I'm there, but it's coming off just a little lackluster. It's just, there's no gravitas to basically the story that you're playing. There's no buildup for it. It's just like, you're this character and you're kind of going through the motions from what I played so far. And I think about three missions in the game in and of itself is still fun to play. I'm enjoying it. It's just that I think with the first battlefront, they definitely had a lot of the star Wars hype going into it with the, um, uh, the force awakens movie coming out right around when that game was coming out it being the most realistic looking Star Wars game, I think on this second iteration, they don't have a lot of that wow factor to kind of fall back on. And you're kind of just left with the game in and of itself. And while not bad by any stretch of the imagination, it just seems kind of uninspired, I, I guess. It just doesn't have that kind of wow mysticism, especially playing the campaign. I'm just not like fully developed in this story because they're not really giving me a lot to chew on with these characters. I don't know hardly anything about them. And I'm just kind of going through the motions of doing these different... Um, missions and stuff like that so yeah I, I think it's pretty good um if you're a huge star wars fan you probably already picked it up but i definitely think it's something that you kind of wait down the line when they add more to it because they are going to be adding free dlc which is something they didn't do on the first game which is kind of a nice caveat for this game is that you will be getting new maps down the line for free you will be getting new heroes down the line for free and i think they even said they're going to expand the campaign a little bit uh, later on for free as well so that stuff's really nice so overall it's a good product it's just not astounding or amazing and um they have uh, the tool set in the the licensing and the franchise that should really be gangbusters right i mean star wars is just huge um, and I think they kind of fumbled it. They definitely fumbled it with their microtransactions. I think they just got a wave of negativity going into the release, which I have to imagine is going to hurt their sales. That being said, um, I did finish Mario Odyssey, the main story. That game's fantastic. I definitely loved the time I spent with that game, and I like the progression in that game really well. You go to a world, they usually ask you to collect 12 of the moons or the stars, however you want to look at it. Um, and basically, just by completing the kind of main storyline that they're kind of pushing you through for, for each of the different worlds, you're able to get all those moons. And then by the time you kind of beat the little boss on the stage, you just go on to the next one. And it just had a rapid pace where you could you could spend as much time as you want in any world and get as many moons as you could. But really, for me, it was like, I'll spend some time. Maybe I'll get a little bit more than I need to go on to the next world. But I'm interested to see what that next world is. Because each time you go to a new world, you get new costumes, new hats for Mario. And I was really, I mean, the driving force for me is I want all those costumes. I like dressing up Mario. He's my little doll. And it's just cute to see him dressed up as a mechanic or a doctor or have him in his black tux. So Mario's great. Battlefront's all right. And I did have some time on Sunday to watch one show. And I was like, am I going to start Punisher? Or am I going to give this weird show on Hulu Future Man a shot? And I gave Future Man a shot. And it wasn't bad. It wasn't great. Basically, the shorthand premise, I know I've been kind of talking for a while, is basically that it is um, the last Starfighter, where basically people from the future have this game, and they're trying to find the best person in that game to make them their leader to fight the evil faction, what's going on. So I think the first half of the first episode that I watched was a little rough. They kind of do a lot of stereotypical gamer stuff, where basically like when he's playing the game, 
he's all super into it and yelling and screaming. It's like no one really plays games with that kind of intensity, um, you know. And the way they portray, like, I don't know, gamer culture was a little, like, cringeworthy. But when they finally get into the the premise of the show that these people come from the future to recruit this kid to be, like, their savior, they have that. They definitely have that fish out of water like they have with Thor where, like, these people from the future do not know how to basically interact or live in a, in a civilized world. So they do kind of the Terminator thing where they're like, oh, you guys are wearing these weird futuristic clothes. We need to get you new clothes. And they go up to a bunch of bikers and beat them up. And overall, at the end of the first episode, it definitely had some cringe in it, but it was actually fun and enjoyable, and I probably will watch more of it. So, Say the name again. uh, Future Man. I don't know who. Where was this on exactly? Hulu. Hulu? I got got a Hulu then. Yeah. And I don't remember who did it, because I think someone of note, and it might have been like Seth Rogen or someone, but someone of note did it. And uh, Bob, it has that girl from... um, Oh shoot! What's that stupid uh, happy endings? Yeah, I'm looking she, at the cast. It's got she, Eliza Coop. It's got yeah. Jane. She that was that her. She was married to the the Wayne's brother in Happy Endings. Yeah. So I like her, and uh, and the main the main guy's been in a lot of movies. I think Christine saw him and said that he was like one of the guys from like Hunger Games or something. So I mean, it has a decent yeah, cast. He's, he's the one. He's the one who flings shit. He's the what's the name of this guy? Mike, help me out. He's powerful. He throws shit. Uh. In Hunger Games? I, I'm drawing a blank. You know, I'm talking about the guy in Hunger Games. He was like just pitching shit at people. He <laughs> should have no idea. I saw the first. He's that real powerful, man. What was his fucking name? I I, don't, I saw the first Hunger no, Games. No, I don't remember. Like yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, if you have Hulu, check out the first episode. And um, my advice would be get past that first half because it is cringe, especially as someone I, I consider myself to be a gamer. And they have not done gamers justice in any pop culture or like TV shows. It's always people that are moving their whole bodies when they play the games and are being way over animated and just, they're always kind of like losers and dweebs. And it's just weird because like almost everyone plays video games. Like, I don't know why they keep falling back on this stereotype, but it doesn't destroy the show, but it definitely makes that first half of it kind of tough to get through. But once you get through it, it does kind of start picking up. And I like how, Basically, when this whole premise is coming together, he mentions, like, so, you mean, this is Last Starfighter. This is the movie Last Starfighter. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then they talk about how they go back in time. So he's like, okay, so it's Last Star Starfighter meets Quantum Leap. Okay, I get it. And I like how they have that self-reference to it because they are definitely, you know, borrowing heavily, heavily um, from those movies and stuff. So, yeah, that's the stuff. That's the stuff I like this week. And maybe you will, too. All right. Um... I'm trying to see who created this show, Marcus, but I I, I don't recognize. I want to say Rogan, but wait, wait, you're right. I see it. Executive producer. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Rogan. Which Rogan I think, and Evan Goldberg. And honestly, that's what I think. I heard that, and I was like, okay, you know, he did a great job with Preacher. He's doing a the, the stuff okay, he's getting great, behind is good. Great, great, great's a debatable way to put it with Preacher. I mean, and also to be <laughs> fair, preacher. I didn't finish the first season, so yeah, what I, I saw, say, I like, enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, hey, man, I've like I've, I've bought both seasons of Preacher, and I'm still like, I don't know. Um... All right, guys. Um, we'll be back next week. Does anybody know if we have stuff on back next week? Probably not. Uh, right? Maybe I'm, I'm not, not sure. sure. We'll find right, out. Well, it'll be a mystery for next week. Shout out to shout out to our boy Stefan. Uh, thanks to Mike and Mark for joining me. Um, we'll be back next week where we're going to talk about if Jose Aldo is going to get his ass whooped by Max Holloway a second time. But if Stefan's not here, and Stefan's the only one watching Tough. He's he could have given us the entire. We all breakdown. know Roxy's killing it. 
Is she? Is she in the finals? Yeah. yeah. I don't know if she's in the finals, but she was like semi. I'm pretty sure she's in the finals. I mean, I think Mike, we'll find I, out. I think we'll find out on Wednesday because if the card is on Friday, then probably her last fight to get to the finale will be this week. Well, it's next Friday the card though. So there's oh, two next week then. Uh, Mike, is it a problem that we got ourselves a champion being crowned when we all think that belt belongs to Valentina Shevchenko the second she wants it? Or you'll want uh, you a Jay check? No. Or no, you know, I I think it doesn't matter at all. That's not affecting your lack of viewership because I feel we watched the nope. other ones where they were crowning a new champion. I'll I'll watch it if Roxanne is in the final. Well, I'll watch the that I'll watch That's... that fight. Are you sure? Because on Saturday I want to watch Jose Aldo fight Max Holloway. You really gonna you gonna watch Roxanne fight for a belt rather than that fight? Well, you're gonna watch fights. Roxanne back -back fight fights. is free. Yeah, but do you want to see Francis Ngannou beat up Alistair Overeem? Yeah, or not beat up Alistair, or not beat up. I oh, got. I am so hyped for yeah. that. There's a much higher chance. You, you I know have what? Plans on Saturday rather than Friday. So please, God, whatever you need to do, let that fight stay. Give me Francis Ngannou versus Alistair Overeem. It's all I really want. All right, it's gonna be so great. Ngannou's my new fucking hero, man. Um, all right, guys, as I mentioned, we'll be back next week. Thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, it was our sixth anniversary the other day, um, hey. which I, I didn't catch that shit. Anybody you guys know? Not at uh, all. I, I know after you tweeted it out. Yeah, I, I only knew because Facebook told me. Because when I told everybody to read our first ever article, but goddamn, did we write a lot, man. We wrote a real breakdown, all of us, of why we thought each person was going to win at UFC 139. Shows a goddamn um, book. I mean, it was. And, like, we realized at a certain point, all of our analysis is the same. <laughs> like, there's only so many ways. You either think this guy's going to win because of this or this guy's going to win because of this. There's normally, like, two dominant theories, one for each person. Um, Whoa. Yeah. So, totally, totally un, um, unrelated, but uh, the U.S. military in Japan are now banned from drinking alcohol. Oh, because they killed a guy, right? Yeah. And, like, somebody, somebody get drunk can't and, leave like, the base. Okay, that's that's gotta come to an end. Come on now. Um, well, yeah, that is, one, yeah, but we're just we're end, this is like the Lord of the Rings. We're ending this movie. We're ending this podcast over the course of the next the last ten minutes. <laughs> um, all right, that's really it. Uh, peace out, guys. See you.